This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Friday, May 19th, 2023. It's been 3,369 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27th, 2014, and 450 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, outside of Bakhmut, Russian operational tempo has decreased significantly with the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, pulling military reserve assets from the 2nd and 3rd Army Corps and Chechen Akhmat into the Solidar, Bakhmut, and Klishivka operational areas. These forces are already combat ineffective, with the 10th Tank Brigade of the 3rd Army Corps combat destroyed, and were previously allocated to respond to a larger Ukrainian offensive that is widely expected in the coming days or weeks. Second, Russian tactics have validated our assessment that the Kremlin has moved to launching a small number of missiles on a more frequent basis and targeting areas with little military value but that are appealing to an internal audience as proof of continued successful operations. Third, the rift between the Russian MOD and private military company or PMC Wagner Group continues to disrupt Russian military operations in the Solidar and Bakhmut operational areas, resulting in territorial losses on the flanks while Wagnerites keep up attacks within Bakhmut to provide Yevgeny Prigozhin with an exit plan to get out of Ukraine. Fourth, Ukrainian forces continue their retrograde operation in Bakhmut. Fifth, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Sixth, The uncertainty of when and where the Ukrainian counteroffensive will begin, or if it has already begun, has forced the Kremlin to start deploying their limited and ill-prepared reserve troops in the Dvorichna, Kupyansk, Svatova, Solidar, Bakhmut, Klishivka, and Marinka operational areas to counter ongoing tactical advances by Ukrainian troops. Seventh, Russian sources have significantly increased their information warfare through Russian state media, social media, and Russian MOD reports, following previous patterns during periods of Ukrainian military successes. 
8th. We've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. And finally, after 15 months of threats, Ukrainian officials are cracking down on residents who violate operational security, with more arrests likely in the coming days. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian attacks, supported by artillery and the Russian Air Force, or VKS, continued in the area of Masyutivka. The GSAFU also reported on May 17th that Ukrainian positions in the area of Vilshina were attacked by Russian aviation forces for the third day in a row. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian surveillance, reconnaissance, and sabotage units continued to operate in the area of Orlyanske in Timkovka. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. Operational Command East, or OKE, spokesperson Colonel Serhii Cherevati reported that on May 17th, Russian forces fired 575 artillery rounds, mortars, grad, and smirch rockets, and drone-delivered IEDs from Dvorichna in Kharkiv to Milohorivka in Luhansk, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, completed 11 airstrikes. In the Svatova operational area, multiple Ukrainian and Russian sources reported positional fighting near Kuzemivka and Stelmachivka, with no change to the line of conflict. The GSAFU reported a Russian attack in the direction of Novoselivske was unsuccessful. The Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian surveillance, reconnaissance, and sabotage, or DRG, units were probing Russian defense lines near Raichorodka and operating in the area of Dibrova in the Kremina operational area. Also in the Kremina operational area, the GSAFU reported a Russian offensive in the direction of Nevsky failed, with local officials reporting that Russian artillery shelling started a brush fire east of the village, which burned itself out. The Russian MOD claimed Ukrainian forces attempted to advance on Chervonopopivka, and the attack was unsuccessful. In the Lysychansk operational area, Russian forces continued attempts to advance on Bilohorivka, still the one in Luhansk, from the southeast without success. Russian propagandist and collaborator Rodion Miroshnik reported the self-declared acting minister of the interior of the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Igor Kornet, who was severely wounded during an assassination attempt on May 15th, has been transferred to a Moscow hospital for further treatment. Multiple pictures and social media reports indicated there was a significant explosion and fire in occupied Luhansk on May 17th, with no other information provided and no statement released by the LNR's Joint Center for Control and Coordination, or JCCC. In northeast Donetsk, in the Solidar operational area, PMC Wagner reported that Russian troops withdrew from advanced positions near the hamlet of Sakuivanseti due to Ukrainian offensive operations, but did not leave the approximately 20 destroyed homes in the settlement. Quick assessment. The village isn't very defensible, but is surrounded by streams on the northern and western approaches. In the Bakhmut operational area, the Russian MOD reported completing 64 fire missions on May 17th and 72 fire missions in the area on May 18th, 
and Russian Army Aviation and VKS executed 14 close air support sorties over the two days. We currently estimate that Ukrainian forces maintain control of 1.25 square kilometers of Bakhmut, a little under half a square mile, or roughly 3% of the city, with PMC Wagner making additional incremental gains in the northern and west-central districts. Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar reported that Ukrainian forces advanced up to 500 meters north of Bakhmut and 1,000 meters south of Bakhmut in the last 24 hours, but did not provide additional information. We still cannot share our information about a Ukrainian advance in the Klishivka operational area due to operational security, or OPSEC, but are hopeful we'll be able to provide an update by May 22nd. PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin continued his greatest show on earth, lashing out at the Russian MOD again, quote, thanking the Russian 4th and 72nd Brigades of the 2nd Army Corps for enabling the Ukrainian armed forces to have, quote, unhindered movement from Chasivyar to Bakhmut by losing fire control of the T-504 highway ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that is a supply line. Prigozhin also denied claims by Russian mill bloggers and unaffiliated Russian state media propagandists that Bakhmut had been captured, saying, quote, There is a quarter called Airplane. He means the MiG-17 statue area. It is an impregnable forest from a patch of multi-story buildings that are located in the southwest of Bakhmut. There are heavy battles. Therefore, tomorrow and the day after tomorrow, Bakhmut is unlikely to be taken. End quote. Some assessment. PMC Wagner is maintaining their attacks within Bakhmut despite the worsening situation on the southern flank to achieve a political victory, bolster Yevgeny Prigozhin's battered reputation in the public sphere, and potentially provide the Wagnerites an exit from Ukraine by declaring mission accomplished with Bakhmut. The Russian MOD has been forced to allocate reinforcements and limited material resources to continue fighting for the northern and southern flanks, while PMC Wagner suffers heavy losses in what will likely be a Pyrrhic victory with no possibility of converting an operational success into a strategic launching point for further offensive operations towards Slovyansk and Kramatorsk. In northwest Bakhmut, there were multiple reports of Ukrainian forces gaining from 150 to 700 meters of territory in the area of Bohdanivka and Berkhivka, but there were no pictures or videos to provide proof of the advances so the map remains unchanged. In northern Bakhmut, Russian sources claimed that Ukrainian troops had been pushed out of the area called the Nest, which is north of Yuvelena Street, which is untrue, with fighting continuing at the Smartum Center, at the Children's Hospital, and at the intersection of Yuvelena and Tchaikovsky Streets. Pictures show that in central Bakhmut, the Russian strategy of turning an area into an indefensible wasteland continues, with parts of the city completely obliterated. Intense fighting continues for control of the last Ukrainian stronghold in the southwestern part of Bakhmut, concentrated near School No. 2, with PMC Wagner advancing from the west. Despite continued claims of ammunition shortages by Prigozhin, in the area around the former MiG-17 statue, Russian artillery fire has reduced most of the area to rubble. In the Klishivka operational area, south of Ivanivske, Russian forces attempted to regain lost territory and were unsuccessful. Russian mercenary millblogger Rybar reported that Russian forces withdrew from additional defensive positions near Klishivka, 
with Ukrainian sources reporting that the ledge is fully secured and movement within the settlement can be directly observed. The Ukrainian 3rd Separate Assault Brigade released a video recorded last week showing their assault of Russian strongpoints west of Klishivka. PMC Wagner Line Telegram channel Grey Zone provided their analysis of the video, writing, quote, The assault itself lasts about 16 minutes in one shot. During this time, the enemy, Ukraine, advances 305 meters. Where are the handheld anti-tank weapons? Where are the anti-tank firing points with ATGMs? Where is the minefield along the TM? Where is the fire support from the flanks on the left and right? Why the f*** does the infantry fighting vehicle ride slowly like it's posing for pictures every 15 minutes? End quote. Emphasis, gray zone. Assessment here. This further confirms our analysis of a critical shortage of anti-tank weapons and the very limited abilities of the Russian reserve forces, who are poorly trained, poorly led, poorly equipped, and suffer from low morale. Also south of Ivanivsky, PMC Wagner reported that Russian forces, mainly the 4th Brigade of the 2nd Army Corps of the LNR, continued to suffer heavy losses and retreated off the strategic high ground west of Klishivka. While Ukrainian source Deep State denied the advance and the pace of progress, Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Malyar reported Ukrainian forces advanced 500 meters, and the Russian MOD framed the new retreat as an opportunity to occupy, quote, a more advantageous line of defense, end quote. We adjusted the map using terrain analysis, which places the line of conflict further east than the PMC Wagner map. More assessment. The withdrawal of the high ground and out of the superior defensive positions constructed by Ukraine over eight years did not provide a more advantageous line of defense. Instead, this has put the second echelon at serious risk and will likely force Russian units to withdraw artillery from Klishivka, not only due to the risk of its capture, but Ukrainian forces are now inside the minimum range of artillery pieces located within the settlement. Indirect fire is likely impossible now, and terrain prevents direct fire. PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin expressed outrage over the withdrawal, saying, quote, When you give the enemy vast territories drenched in the blood of our comrades in arms, this is now called having pissed it away, not taking a more advantageous line. End quote. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, a Russian video showing Ukrainian troops being shelled by thermite munitions southwest of Krasnohorivka indicates that Ukrainian forces have reoccupied the forested regions just west of the village and east of the H-20 highway. Based on this new intelligence, we've adjusted the war map, moving the line of conflict east and shrinking part of the gray zone. Assessment here. We had previously assessed that Russian forces lacked the combat strength to bring Krasnohorivka into full military control and turn the settlement into a firebase to cover further advances on Avdiivka. This failure has unraveled efforts to encircle the city and bring Ukrainian ground lines of communication, called GLOCs, those are supply lines, under control. 
The GSAFU reported that Russian troops attempted to advance towards Sieverne through the no-man's land north of Vodiana, suffered heavy losses, and returned to their defensive positions. Russian forces made another attempt to advance in the direction of Avdiivka from Vesele without success. Ukrainian source Deep State reported that Russian forces attempted to advance on Pervomaisky from the south with the support of armored vehicles both on May 17th and 18th, and both times ending in failure. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for Marinka continued both within the remains of the city and the area around it, with our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah, failed mobic and unrepentant troll, Igor Strelkov-Girkin, claiming that Russian forces have run out of combat potential and predicting they will be forced to retreat to the mining waste heaps on the eastern edge of the city due to heavy losses of armor and a lack of artillery support. In occupied southwest Donetsk, the settlement of Yenikyevy was attacked by Ukraine with a large fire after the strike. No other information was available. In Zaporizhia, Russian forces completed 89 fire missions on May 17th and 79 fire missions on May 18th and two airstrikes along the line of conflict in the Zaporizhia Oblast. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that the Black Sea Fleet has four vessels on patrol, including one Kilo-class submarine capable of launching four caliber cruise missiles. Multiple cruise missiles were fired at the Odessa region by Russian VKS and the Black Sea Fleet on May 17th, with the debris from an intercepted missile striking an industrial production center, killing one civilian and wounding two. In occupied Crimea, saboteurs destroyed the rail line between Simferopol and Sevastopol, derailing 12 rail cars and disrupting train service on the critical GLOC. With Russian state media agency MASH, run by the Russian Federal Security Service, or FSB, reporting that an improvised explosive device was planted under the railway tracks in the village of Chistenki, damaging 50 to 75 meters of railbed and blasting a hole 2 meters deep and 15 meters wide. Reduced speed rail traffic was restarted about 24 hours later. Up to four Ukrainian drones struck the Salt Lake train station in Jankoy, severing communications lines and suspending all train service. There is reportedly significant debris on the tracks and in the surrounding area. Russian state media agency Astra reported that a caliber cruise missile that failed during its flight was found by a farmer near Volkhanivka in occupied Crimea. Deputy Prime Minister of the Russian Federation, Marat Khusnalin, announced that heavy truck traffic would not be permitted on the recently repaired Crimean bridge due to heightened security measures. Currently, small box trucks and empty heavy trucks are permitted to drive across the structure, which was heavily damaged by an apparent truck bomb on October 8, 2022. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky announced the creation of a council that will provide administration of liberated Crimea including Minister of Reintegration of the Temporarily Occupied Territories of Ukraine, Irina Verishchuk, Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Dmitro Kuleba, Head of the Office of the President of Ukraine, Andriy Yermak, Oleksiy Danilov, Secretary of the NSDC, and Head of the Ukrainian Security Service, or SBU, Vasil Malyuk. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces completed 90 fire missions on Frikherson on May 17th, 
firing 529 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, kamikaze drones, and bombs. Russian forces completed 57 fire missions yesterday. The city of Kherson was attacked five times on May 17th and 18th, with 19 munitions targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure, wounding two. In Zelenivka, a store was shelled while people were shopping, killing three, including a five-year-old boy, and wounding two. Social media users report that a home occupied by the Russian Federal Security Service, or FSB, in Novakokhovka was hit by two Ukrainian artillery shells, causing a significant number of casualties. In Dnipropetrovsk, Oleksandr Vilkul, head of the Kriviri Defense Council, was struck by up to four Shahed-136 kamikaze drones, causing significant damage. Two people were wounded, including one in critical condition. Five Shahed-136 kamikaze drones were shot down over Lviv on the evening of May 18th, with no reported damage or casualties. In Khmelnytsky, Ukrainian Air Force spokesperson Colonel Yuri Ikhnat reported one Russian KH-101, KH-555 cruise missile reached a target in the Khmelnytsky Oblast between May 17th and 18th without providing any additional information. In north and northeast Ukraine, in Kyiv, resulted in debris falling on the Desnyansky and Darnitsky districts, there were no injuries reported with minor damage across the city, including roof tiles, broken windows, tree branches, and cars hit by debris. Up to 13 Shahed-136 drones were shot down by Ukrainian air defenses in Kyiv and Cherniv regions with no reports of injuries or significant damage. Russian forces shelled 10 border villages in six Khomadas, firing 62 artillery rounds and mortars. In Miropilia, a residential building was damaged, and shelling in Stutnok wounded two civilians and damaged their home, a shed, tractor, and farm equipment. On the Russian front, a grenade launcher that was tied to a tree and fired by remote control struck the Rosneft oil station in the Bryansk region, causing minor damage to the facility. Ammunition struck the cultural and recreational complex in Glushkovo-Bryansk, wounding two police officers at the building which has been turned into a barracks. Five railroad cars derailed in the Krasnodar Krai region. Near Kazan, saboteurs set fire to railroad communication relay cabinets, destroying them. The fire caused the delay of at least five freight trains, according to Russian state media sources. A five-meter-deep and 15-meter-wide crater was discovered in a forested area near Shatalovka in the Bilgorod region, after local residents reported the sound of a large explosion. Another crater was found near Kaluga, with Russian officials claiming a Soviet-era Tu-141 drone, packed with 30 kilograms of explosives and ball bearings, crashed near the A-108 highway. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.